This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome back to another preview episode of Green and White brought to you by Argo Life. Uh, we travel to the capital next as we face QPR at Loftus Road on Wednesday night or whatever Stadium name it's called now. It's called a CBS Arena or something. I don't know. Um, I suppose we've got some sort of sponsorship deal. Um, before we get into this one, a little reminder that we go live on Twitter to review the midweeks with Joe Bell of Devonshire back on hosting duties uh, as a good little quip from the last pod. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that one. Ben, how do you see this one going? It's always the um the danger of overstating or understating the new manager bounce, isn't it? But QPR, I think we've all identified all season, have a squad much better than their position and their play has um, determined. Um, they've not used, or let, let's, let's be clear, Gareth Ainsworth didn't use their best play as well. We didn't even play them, didn't even put them on the pitch at times um, for long spells. And, and so they've underperformed their potential. That's not the case now. Um, under the new manager, they are beginning to gain confidence as well as performances and results. And I think that whereas perhaps the squad were resigned to a dogfight and playing awful football, they've suddenly got their tails up with real belief that um, they can get out of the the position they found themselves mired in. There's definitely, in their eyes, a couple of teams worse than them in and around them, I suspect. If you're in that changing room, you'll be looking at um, Rotherham, Huddersfield and saying, well, we're better than these guys on paper. And then you'll be looking at teams like Argyle. You'll be looking at teams like um, Stoke and, uh, and Birmingham. You know, even before the season started, a lot of people sort of looked at the Birmingham squad and said, there's not, you know, that they might struggle, uh, and John Eustace did a great job to, to 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 make them something that was more than the sum of their parts. They, yes, it was only you know was it five six games into the season when he went, but you know I think that everyone who watched them play or played against them thought, well, actually, you know, a, a, a few good play like Bakuna and a few you know star players sprinkled in, but there's you know like us, they've got loans to Stansfield etc. Um, up front, up up top, and you know there's teams that that 
I think QPR will now look at that are above them and think we can hunt them down. We can hunt them down. You know, Stoke are in a bit of a crisis at the moment. They've just recently sacked their manager, might have appointed someone by the time this comes out. I don't know, but if they had someone lined up, but probably not knowing Stoke. Um, so they at QPR will not, it's not just about, I think the, they've had a good few games and, and results have rolled their way, but I think the squad itself will have belief and, um, a hunger that you know you've seen the, I don't know if you've seen the video of the guy coming and doing the hacker to the squad and everyone's just looking at each other like Ainsworth what are you about and you know oh, you we've, think we've seen it you've seen it yeah I imagine maybe oh, yeah. if you haven't oh, it's yeah. worth going and finding believe me um you know you think players have been freed from that kind of Brent-esque kind of environment and now must just have such a lease of life and be just delighted to go and play football in a way that they can express themselves so reductionists maybe to sort of say oh well they've got a new manager come in and so they're you know they're putting some performances and results together we have to be careful but I think in this instance it really is quite a scary prospect I don't think the QPR that you've maybe watched or seen the highlights of at the start of the season is going to be you know it's not going to bear any resemblance to the team we're going to face this midweek so um, what do I you know how do I see it going well, as we discussed on the last pod, if we can string two decent 45 minutes together, we can probably beat anyone because we can do it at home. And if we, we're basically doing the same thing away from home as we are at home. So why why can't we um, go go away and beat them? Our problem is we haven't been able to put two 45 minutes together in, in one game. Um, and if we don't do that again, I do think there's a good chance of us losing. Um, and if we get if and if it's one of those games where something just doesn't drop our way, we could end up getting a spanking that we don't deserve. Um, and that could really demoralise fans, obviously, and hopefully not the the squad, but it could sort of make a real onus, a real sort of weight onto the following game. Um, so it is, it's one of those, you know, some games we say are more important than others. Yeah, we, we lost to Leicester, but I think we'd have all said we'd quite happily lose to Leicester if we could get four to six points out of the next two games. So, um this is one of those games that feels more important, I think, than, than than others, especially at this point in the season. It's one of those games that's feeling like it could be quite pivotal. And if we come away with a, a point, we're saying we should have won the game, or even if we can come away with our first away win, it could be an absolute you know, boost going forward. But if we come out on the, the wrong end of a quite a drastic scoreline, whether we deserve it or not, or even just... Uh, a bit of a limp performance and we, we you know, we lose one nil kind of Coventry esque, you know, if, if we had another performance like that, I really do think that we're going to be in the realms of having to think about doing something different. Um, hopefully there's enough evidence now on, on video for the, for the team, the, the, the manager and the team to be able to analyze and, you know, make a workable game plan. It's always good to be able to have some reference points. So I trust the team to be able to put together a, a decent game plan um, and we've obviously rested play, uh, some of our better players and we should I think have a have at least a you know um, a good chance I wouldn't make us favorites and I wouldn't make us evens but um, it, it is going to be another one of those that's going to be very tight um, I can't see it being anything else and if it does end up being anything other than tight if it's not just, if it's not a draw or, or one goal in it it's going to because one team's played really badly or there's been some outrageous turns of fortune. It's going to be a really tight game, and it's going to be, going back to, again, something we said in the last pod, if we play to our abilities and don't make stupid mistakes, then we should be able to, I, I feel we should be able to at least come away with a point. But if we make stupid mistakes and we don't play to the, the, you know, the ceiling of our ability, 
um, you know, nine or 10 players on the pitch play into that sort of, you know, uh, seven, eight out of 10 at least, then we could, you know, we could risk a really bad result. So, yeah, I think, I think we've got a chance, but um, it's not the same QPR that's been, that's been stinking to get the place out um, for the first sort of 10 weeks of the season or more. Um, um, and it, 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 it could come down to some, like just, just a few moments as we've seen a lot of games this season. Yeah, John, as our resident uh, Cockney amongst the, the pod, uh, Ben mentions there about them no longer being Brent-esque. How far away are they from the Wembley area? Uh, not that far, are they? Very, very good. Um, I feel if, Stan, if our friend Stan was here, um, he would be compelled to mention that because I don't live uh, within the sound of the Bow Bells. Uh, I'm not a Cockney. Um, so so there we go. Um, yeah, it's... A, it's um, certainly a horrible time to be playing them. I mean, I've, I've said many times on this podcast over, you know, the, the sort of first few weeks of the season, first few months of the season that we've had quite bad luck with when our fixtures have fallen. We've sort of seemed to get quite a lot of teams when they're on an upswing. And, and you know, if we had the game a month earlier or a month later, that might not have been the case. I actually think that has started to even itself out in recent weeks. I think we played Sunderland at a time when they were obviously stuck in a, a bit of a rut that ended up uh, claiming the manager's job. Ditto Stoke, who had come off a, a pretty good unbeaten run, I think, and 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 I think lost two in a row before they played us. They've now they've now also parted ways with their manager. Coventry, had, you know, maybe a little bit of a bad time, um, but they didn't play particularly well against us. Uh, all things being considered, um, and then Leicester, we actually went and played them at a pretty good time. That you know they um, they you know, considering how imperious they've been this season, they actually were coming off the back of um, you know a relatively relatively uh, dodgy run of form when we played them. So, but but this is certainly now a return to why on earth could we not have just had this fixture back in in September or, or October? Um, obviously, I think if we had played them when Ainsworth was still there. There would have been an Ainsworth factor that might have sort of elevated it beyond their usual form. Obviously, you know, he does, or we do, we do have history with him. Should we figured him out twice last season, but, the, you know, there's no guarantee that would have happened again. But, but that being said, I mean, some of this, there were some extraordinary stats going around earlier in the season. I just had a little check back. Um, I think as of October, three championship teams had won more times at Loftus Road than QPR this calendar year. Um, Blackburn, Coventry and, and Sunderland had all won twice um, at, at Loftus Road. And I, and I think Blackburn and Coventry had either scored the same number of goals or more goals at Loftus Road than QPR had scored themselves in an entire calendar year. So this is, this is sort of like biblically awful home form. Um, and, and yeah, obviously it would have been lovely to go and play them while that was going on. Um, and, uh, you know, the new manager, Marty Cifuentes, seems like a very serious person in, in all senses save, of, that, of that word. Save your thoughts on, on Marty for, uh, because obviously that's just, to this. just so, do it now. Just do it now. Basically. Well, I, was, I was just going to say, he seems like a very serious character, very detail oriented. And I think he's obviously got a lot more out of the players, um, you know, than Ainsworth was able to, I mean, Ainsworth, you can have a very long debate as to whether he's a good manager or not. I think there's certainly a lot of evidence that he is one, um, but it might be club specific, but I, I, I think he was a horrible fit for that job. Um, I, you know, I was listening to a podcast earlier in the year, sort of pointing out that QPR had three managers last season um, in uh, Beal, Critchley and Ainsworth, who all have a very different style and they were all being asked to come in and do the, you know, and, and get results with the same squad of players. It didn't really seem like a very coherent approach. Um, and I think Ainsworth's kind of clogging, style of football just wasn't a good fit for this squad. But but I think it's been very clear that like once they saw the light and sacked him and, and ended that horrible misadventure, that 
they're not really, in my opinion, in the same conversation as some of those other clubs that are down there. You know, they do have players who are very good. Actually, under under Beal at the beginning of last season, I believe they were top of the championship by October kind of time um, with a squad that's not entirely dissimilar to this one. So obviously there is there is lingering quality there. Willock is a fantastic player. Ilias Chair is a fantastic player at this level. Really, really good. Somehow against all the odds, they've still held on to both of those. And, and, and you know, I, I don't think they're, I don't think, I think when they were top of the league under Beal, they were they were outperforming their level. But I certainly don't think they're a they're a relegation fodder team. So um, I think I think we should sort of try and go into this one with with a mentality where you know it's going to look on paper like a relegation six pointer, but I think in probably like a month or two's time, it won't necessarily look like that anymore. And I think that we're going in off the back of a relatively good run of form ourselves, which means that. If they overtake us, they'll also be overtaking other teams in all likelihood. It won't be a sort of straight shootout between, you know, us and them for loser finishes the day in, in third bottom. It, it might that might be the case, but it also, you know, it also might not. Um, we've got a little bit of a uh, play in terms of places, at least a little bit of a buffer between us and the bottom three at the moment. And if obviously one of those teams loses and it doesn't affect the goal difference, then then it'll be them who drop in and not us. So so, so ho- hopefully we can sort of look at their recent uptick, see very clearly that they were hugely underachieving you know, due to, I think, self-inflicted tactical limitations under their previous manager and, and sort of see this one as a game where it's probably going to be a good result to get a point as opposed to um, one where we come we come away having been beaten 2-0 and think that's it, you know, we're, we're going down, that's the season. Um, hopefully we can do we can do a bit of a, a readjustment of expectations based on that. Um, that being said, though, the results under Cifuentes are not, I mean, they've won three in a row, which is obviously very impressive. But until that point, they drew with Rotherham away, drew at home to Bristol City, lost at Norwich. None of those three teams for me are particularly strong. Um, and the three wins that they've had were against an atrocious Stoke team who were down to 10 men for most of the second half, um, against a, a Preston team who are currently absolutely atrocious, another one that we played at the worst possible time, um, who have been on a very poor run since then. And then, and then a, a very good win over a Hull side who, you know, that that looks like the most impressive result of the lot, certainly on paper. It is a Hull side, though, who obviously we we played very well against and got, you know, could, could have got three points out of that game ourselves up, away from home to Hull. And um, also, um, you know, we're a team who sort of had these weird, quite poor results here and there, despite generally being pretty good. So, so I don't think it's one where we should go in and be massively afraid of them necessarily. Um, you know, I don't think they're this sort of unstoppable juggernaut, but... As I said, I think we, it's one where we should see it, certainly see it as um, a uh, yeah, a, a much more challenging game than the league table would indicate. Yeah, Sam, nice classic question for you that you, you seem to get every week, but our first away win of the season up at QPR? Uh, maybe. Um, I'm not going to answer no like I did at Leeds and Leicester because I just wasn't expecting any semblance of a result there and I was right both times. Um I, I probably not. I guess. Um, I think I not much I can really add to what Ben and John have said. It's a tougher game than the league table would indicate. Sifuente, uh, who I'm glad John managed to pronounce because I wasn't sure how I, I would. Sifuente does seem to be a good manager so far. He had a good record in Scandinavia and has certainly like made a very good start at QPR. Yeah, keeps um Sam, Sam down. Good record John. in Scandinavia. Bingo. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, look, it's it, it, he, he did do very well there. And I think he's made the step up to the championship well so far. Um, their, their squad is talented. For the, um, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, the only thing Sam Down likes more than a Scandinavian manager is a foreign manager who has managed in Scandinavia. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, God, Graham Potter was a was a good uh, hire for Swansea and Brighton, even if not for Chelsea. But anyway, going back to the point, um, I, I think he he's actually be a good manager. They've got talented players. Willock's talented. Elias Chair's talented, and Dykes is uh, a good striker. Um, very well rounded striker gets goals, but it's direct and can bring others into play as well. Sort of reminds me a little bit. Maybe if the analogy isn't too crude of when we were doing brilliantly with Ryan Taylor up front, bringing Lemiris and Carey into play. I think Dykes is very much capable of doing a similar job of their talented attacking players like Chair, like Willock, um, and and if they keep the, they keep the ball under um, Sifuente, they look after the ball pretty well. So yeah, it will be a tricky game. Um, I think, like, like as Ben said, I, I wouldn't put us as favourites or as evens. I think we would be odds against to get our first win, but not you know not dramatically odds against. We're probably talking at about you know five to two or or three to one. Not not a not odds that we can't surmount or maybe a little bit longer than that actually because obviously the draw comes into play as well but but at this way it wouldn't shock me but it would slightly surprise me if we got our first win on wednesday um i think i would very much take a draw uh, one of the slightly more crackpot theories i have been known to espouse is that football fans are too keen to celebrate draws because a draw is a draw is one point which is mathematically closer to, to zero than it is to freeze. The, the, the theory is that a draw should only ever make you feel as third as happy as a win does. And whilst I do broadly stand by that, the one time where I very much don't go with that is when it's a team in a similar fight in the league as you. In, in that scenario, a draw is far more useful because you're not just getting a point, you're taking two points off the other team. So if we lose, it wouldn't just be bad because we're getting zero. It'd be bad because as part of the same outcome, QPR are getting three. Whereas if we draw, we're adding an extra point to ourselves and we're taking two points off their total. So I would take a draw very much so. I think it would be a good result. We've, we've had four away losses in a row. Uh, Ipswich, Leeds, Coventry and obviously Leicester, the, the latter two without even scoring. So the away form is, having started bad, has gone from bad to worse, um, for sure. And I would like to hope that we're capable of, of getting a draw. And if we can get a win, that would just be obviously even better. But I'd, I'd love a draw, put it that way. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Taking those next three into consideration then, um, QPR, and then it's Rotherham at home, and then Birmingham? Then Birmingham home, yeah, that's yeah. right. Like, how, how do you see those going as a collective? How many points do we need to be picking up there over those three? Um, I'd take five. I'd take five, because I think, you know, the Rotherham and Birmingham home, two sides are pretty honking form. There is the chance that Rotherham might be starting a new manager bounce, and Obviously, you know, Birmingham might end up getting rid of Rooney before we play them. Who knows? Um, 
But I think take four from the two home games because obviously we love six, but you know there's always a chance we could slip up in one of them. So I'd take four from the two home games if we can get a draw at QPR just to stop the rot. That's the other reason I take a draw, just to stop the rot of losing um, there. So I would, you, just to stop that rot of losing four games in a row to get us back on the, on, onto an more even footing into um, maybe alleviate nerves and tensions going into the, the, the doubleheader at home against Rotherham and Birmingham. So, I yeah, I, I think five is a total to aim for. Get that draw on Wednesday if we can. Obviously, win would be great, but get the draw at a realistic aim and then get four from the two home. That would keep us comfortably ahead of a point a game still because we're ahead of a point a game as it is. So if we get five from three games, that would that would firmly keep our heads above water and and keep ourselves out of the bottom three. Oh, I was going to say, it depends like, how, how much nuance you put on the return regards to how many points you want, how much of an absolutist you are in terms of points being, you know, king or, or whether sort of, you know, if we went and got three points away at QPR and then we got two draws at home, is that as good a five points as if we get the draw at QPR and then we expect him to win at home? Would we be worried? Sort of well, that would probably be, that would probably be a better five points, if anything, because it would, it would get the away, it would get that magic first away win on the board. And it would obviously also, you know, keep QPR a bit cut adrift in 20 seconds. So that would actually be the best permutation of getting five points. But, but would I take any permutation of five points? Yeah, I still would. Yeah. But if you had to ask me which permutation of five points I'd prefer, it would be exactly what you said, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just interesting speculating about whether we, you know, or or even would would you take the away win and one point at home and go for four? Always, is that stupid to say? Well, no, because points are king. You know, how much is it worth getting the monkey off our back with the away win? So, yeah, it. it I think, I think, it, I think it's very much. It's going to be dictated by each game will dictate how we feel about the next. I think for now, it's easy to say, you know, we what five points would be good. But if we go and absolutely spank UPR with a performance that sort of reminiscent of Sunderland and then we, we're going to want probably another we're going to want to come back to home park and get another you know six points probably and, and maybe see two points from that that those two games is a bit of a disappointment oh we could have you know ridden the crest of that wave and then now we're back down to sort of being a doldrum so it, yeah it's 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 very you know from from from, th- from this vantage point I completely agree that five points is um would be a good haul because it stops any of those three getting away from us. But it will be interesting to see what our takes are. Uh, I don't know if I'll be on on the pod, obviously as a as a guest invitee. But uh, we'll see what the pod's collective take is after the after the QPR game and then after the Rotherham game. How they feel about those games is just uh, just amusing, as in a space musing, not amusing as in comic. <laughs> Uh, John, obviously we had a discussion on the on the pod that came out on Monday uh, that people have definitely already heard about. You know, that out switching up away from home and, and maybe going to the back three, back five, whatever we're calling it now. How would how would you set up for this one to to combat Sifuentes? Uh, well, as our as our newfound YouTube viewers will be able to see, I'm actually uh, wearing completely different clothes to the aforementioned podcast, which was definitely not recorded just before this one. Oh, I think you'll all. find that that's the same for all of us. Um, yes. So, um, how would I set up? Um, I think I would definitely bring Scar in um, for Plegwisuelo. Uh, we said on the 
previous podcast, if I can stretch my memory back that far, that, um, you know, I, I, I said I didn't really agree with Sam's, I think, quite harsh take on him as an overall player. But I think um, for a game um, against, uh, yeah, I think, I think uh, sorry, in the Leicester game, he, he was pretty poor. And I think that when you've got a player as, as physical and as much of a handful as Lyndon Dykes up against you, which I guess is what we would expect QPR to start with, um, I, I think Scar and Gibson would be would be the two that I would want to go go for. Um, for that, I, I could see the case for a back three with um, the three of them and sort of give Pleggy a role in, in sort of facing up um, Chair and or Willock, uh, depending on which side you play him on. Um, but, but I also, you know, don't think we necessarily should go overly defensive. I think it's a game where we need to be compact and think that, you know, given their momentum at the moment is very positive. There are going to be moments where we have to kind of sit in, but you know, I, I think it'll be a more front foot lineup than we saw on on Saturday, uh, whatever the formation is. Um, I could very much see, uh, well, I think Condal and Mumba will probably come back in. Um, you, you know, we went to Coventry and we had that uh, midfield, which we also played against Sunderland at home of, of Azaz, Condal and Housen, which is actually quite an attacking midfield three, uh, especially for an away game. But I could see, I could see us reverting to that. Um, I think Houghton, yeah, Houghton, Mumber and Condal looked to me like they were rested on Saturday rather than rotated out, you know, purely for tactical reasons. Um, and then, you know, while I'm not uh, totally, totally au fait with his every, uh, you know, as every aspect of his bodily health at the moment, I think seeing Ryan Hardy come in for Bundu up front is, is another one I could very much see happening and, and would be something that if he's fit, I would be definitely definitely looking to do um so i think it'll be a strong lineup uh, i think it'll be pretty heavily rotated from saturday because saturday itself was he- quite heavily rotated from what i think we would all consider to be our our you know first choice team um uh, yeah and again as i said i could see a case for three at the back or four at the back but i, I suspect it'll be a four three three um with with scar and gibson as the two kind of more muscular centre-back options would, would probably be what i would expect to happen but um i guess we'll see Anybody got anything else to add before we just do uh, uh, predictions and wind down? I think Galloway would be a good shout for um, for that game purely because of his versatility, um, and we like to sort of occasionally change formations. Having him as a as a fullback who inverts or overlaps at times, but also being a physical presence, like I say, physical presence, just 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 height really <laughs> to be able to um, to add something might well um, be it be an option, but. It's really, you know, I never get it right. When I saw the 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 Leicester the lineup for the Leicester game, I saw it happening. You know, saw that squad playing a certain way, and they literally played exactly the opposite. They went and pressed rather than allowing the ball and cutting off um, the sort of supply to the penalty area. They went and pressed the ball. Um, so even if you know, even if Galloway plays, we'll probably play a completely different role to what I've just suggested. He would, mm-hmm. we would, he would play in that team. So um, I imagine that it will be um, like like John says that those players rested will definitely be back. And presumably they were rested with a specific role in those games in mind. I, I you know, I imagine that Mumba might play um, uh, the, the role he played against um, Sunderland, where he at times is, is wide on the left, at times sort of dropped in alongside the single pivot and at times became a, a wing back to a three. Um, and, and again, with, you know, Kundu, I, I sort of might well play the um, sort of more box to box role that he sort of excelled in. Um, recently, so I imagine they weren't just rested, you know, um, at a whim. I imagine that looking at these two games, if not for this one, perhaps for for Rotherham, they've been rested with a specific role in mind for the game. So um, it'll be interesting to see what those those players particularly will will be doing. 
I was going to say, I think um, the Sunderland uh, game is actually quite a good point of comparison because they have two very, very talented, nippy, dribbly wingers who we kept, we were very successful at keeping quiet. And I think part of that was because, as you know, Mumba uh, sort of dropped in and, and almost kind of played as a auxiliary wing back, despite the fact he was playing as an attacking uh, sort of winger slash forward in that game. Um, yeah, obviously they have, uh, I believe, um, yeah, Willock Chair and, and Paul Smith sort of in behind the striker, all three very tricky players of a similar type, I guess, to Clark and Roberts, um, you know, if you're going to kind of take a broad brush to it. So, yeah, I think um, I think that's a good point of comparison and probably, you know, we, we don't have to play with the back five to, to be able to kind of get that effect of having uh, some, you know, at times kind of quite a, a massed defensive rank um and certainly if we were going to play Galloway and Edwards uh you know as the as the fullback to the four I would hope that Mumber and Whisker would be uh you know energetically on defensive duty as well to to give them a hand and double up on on the players who I think QPR's main threat yeah I'm just doing some research it doesn't look like that they've actually got a sponsorship deal on the stadium um oh yes they do it's called the Matrade Loft just Matrade Ma- Matrid, Mattress Loftus Road Stadium. Call it that. Um, yeah. Anyway, back to the actual conversation. Um, do we see Hardy starting this one, Sam? Uh, yeah, I think it's time. Um, I've I've been an advocate for Bundu. I think uh, he, he's coming in totally. Yeah, I think I think Bundu's coming in proved a lot of people wrong. He had some good games and got some goals for sure, but. Um, yeah, didn't have the best game at Leicester. And I think Hardy, now that he's probably close to full fitness, I think, yeah, bring him in and see if he can see if he can get a goal on the break. Because I think that's, if we're going to get a goal, every chance we get it on the break, because they're a team we do like to look after the ball under Cifuente, certainly not under Ainsworth. But um, yeah, bring him back in. And, and Lumber probably as well. Yeah, nice. Unless anybody's got anything else to add, I think we'll call that a night. I think we'll look towards um, January and stuff in another pod. We're not doing we, score uh, predictions, or all right yeah. then. Yeah, all right, Sam. Bloody hell, who, who made you producer? No, go on. Yeah, let's do score predictions. You, you, you're keen, Sam. You kick us off. Uh, yeah, as I said, um, tight game. I I would be ecstatic with a win. I'd love a draw. I don't think we're going to get one. Two one loss. No, positive. Ben. I was thinking. I was thinking that the head says exactly the same as Sam. Two-one loss. Um, and I think I'm going to have to go on my head. Uh, too often, I look stupid when I go with my heart. So we'll stick. Well, I, I'll be in complete agreement with Sam. Two-one. John, I assume you're you're hoping for a a win to lord over your your London counterparts. Uh, I, I assume we're all hoping for a win. That's kind of why we're here, isn't it? Um, but um, I do actually have a, a good friend who's a, a URs fan. So um, it will, we would be very much uh, welcome if we could get something off them. I I think um, I think it will be a good game between two teams who are ultimately in quite good form. I think, as Sam pointed out to me in a separate chat earlier, you know, while the Leicester performance was obviously a, really a, a game of two halves, to use a football cliche, um you know, it, it was a poor performance ultimately and obviously a very poor result. Sam has, has made the very good point that we tend to bounce back from those um, and, and put in, you know, a much better performance in the following game. So I think we might see that logic come to fruition again. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it'll be two good good teams, good te- teams who are better than their current league position would indicate anyway, um, cancelling each other out. Uh, so I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. 
Okay, I think I'm going to go positive. I'm going to go one nil win. Why not? Sure up that back line. We, we can't defend. Sorry. Because we can't defend. You said you said why not? So I was just offering no, a reason why. Yeah, sorry. That would not be. Um, we'll, we'll shore up that back line. Big Dan Scar will come in have the, the game of his championship life so far. Better than it was was him alongside Gibson at Watford, right? Sorry, Gibson was just so immense that day. I forget who he was beside him. Um, that was probably Scar's best performance of the season. I would say. He threw himself in front of some things yeah. like. Like, like with this sort of abandon, I'd have liked to see Plague with Waylo do against Leicester, to be quite frank. Maybe it's the the, the inside of the M25 that gets Dan Scar really rocking um, and, and Loftus Road uh, will be crumbling at the, the fear of a, a, a fully um, confident Dan Scar and, and Lewis Gibson and, and we'll keep a solid clean sheet um, after... Um, I was going to say, given given you mentioned the um, M25 and the fact it's in London, I'm wondering if we have a, a ULES compliance car. No, oh, I, don't, game. I don't personally. Uh, I'm guessing the train, John, which I, I regret after <laughs> after Saturday. <laughs> I, I genuinely hate uh, trains in this country. Um, I think the only I mean, other thing I do want to quite literally to... choose to live in Norwich. That was that was your I choice. You not even mentioned it. What you, you guys are more than I did. Um, Yes. Uh, no, I mentioned it. I think the only thing I do want to mention, John, is the that when you told me the ticket price for QPR, um, I thought you were actually joking. That is an outrage. How do they get away with that? That uh, is... £37, I believe. And, and to bring up the stats I mentioned earlier, that was £37 a pop at a ground where the home team have scored, had scored like six goals until... Until a month and, or so ago, and, I mean, and as someone who who has been in the way in before, which I don't know if any of you three have, the, the leg room is complete. The leg, it's good. yeah, going to be my sixth visit to Loftus Road on Wednesday. Just, just saying, but uh, the leg room is, is first, appalling, and that was not a... your first visit to Matrade Loftus Road. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, put it this way: the last time I went is when I was fifteen, and I think some a lot of the other visits were when I was between aged about nine and 13. So given that it was the leg room situation was bad even then, I think now that I'm a um, strapping, fully grown man, <laughs> to, for want of a, a better word, I, I think it's going to be pretty appalling. So it's not even if you get a great experience um, ergonomically for your money. So not yeah. Sorry to put a bit of a dampener on the end of the podcast, but it is a, it is a rip off. I do agree. It's, it's a nice, it's a nice old little ground and has its charms, I think, but like you, you, you would sort of, hope that they would come along with nice yoldy style ticket pricing as opposed to paying the equivalent of going to a sort of lower end Premier League game anyway I'm quite amazed they can get away with it in London given how many other teams are nearby and how much else there is to do in London but then it's the old thing about if you get one ticket sold at 37 quid or you get two tickets sold at 37 quid that's better than selling Sort of like you know three. No, it's not mathematically, is it? But you know what I mean. You, you can sell you can sell two thirds the amount than you could at twenty quid, and you still make the same money, or if not more. So if people are going to come and pay because they're loyal, why not fleece them? Because you'll uh, you, you know that they'll come regardless, which is yeah. an appalling appalling way to run a football club, but sadly a good way to run a business. And as we've seen, money drives everything in football these days. Yeah, and it's it's doing them endless uh, endless good as well. Um, you know, league table proves that that money is being well spent. Um, but but as we as we've already discussed, don't come at me, don't at me, uh, QPR fans. We have discussed that you're, you're on the right track. You'll be fine. 
don't take it to heart, don't do a Leicester or a Leeds or an Ipswich, although you are providing us with more money. Thank you. So thanks. Thanks to Elon as well, um, which I never thought I'd say. I think we'll call that a night. Unless anybody's got anything to add for the fourth time. That'll do me. Cheers all. Nice. Cheers all. Bye. Oh, I have to do an outro, don't I? I forgot. Uh, Where did I I put it? Uh, Reminder to like and subscribe if you're watching along on YouTube. Leave us a rating and subscribe if you're listening in on your usual podcast apps. And find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok to join in the conversation. Um, Cheers, guys. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.